Hey everybody, Not a Grande Outdoors. This is Kyle Jackson with Rodney Wood on the telephone. How's it going, guys? <laughs> so uh, we're here to do a podcast with Chet Ferris. We've got Mark Maunder and uh, Patrick Smith. Mark and Patrick are kind of going to be in and out, but uh, we appreciate them being here. Uh, i got to tell a funny story about how I met these guys. Uh, so I generally don't uh, mix this Not a Grande stuff with with my work, which is with the New Mexico Game and Fish, but the, the story is too good not to tell. So uh, uh, I'll, I'll tell it, and, and Chet can kind of tell his side of the story, and, and Mark can pipe up if he wants to. But uh, So about a week ago, I guess, almost a week ago, not quite, um, I was out patrolling, and uh, I was down by Wagon Mound, New Mexico, and driving along the highway, and I see this helicopter flies over the highway, and it goes out into the, you know, over this over this ranch where, uh, you know, I know the hunt's about to start, and uh, this helicopter starts making these movements like it's looking for something, and I my my first thought is, oh yeah. I got this sucker. I got me uh, a, a a rich Texan that that's trying to spot some elk, and uh, that was the first thought that goes through my mind. And I thought, well, I better make sure. And so I get out and I I watch him with binoculars, and it's a completely black helicopter, and I'm having a hard time finding a tail number. Finally, get a tail number, um, and we're trying to track down who owns this helicopter, who might be. Uh, flying this helicopter, you know, figure out what the heck's going on. And uh, that later that evening, I'm sitting at the Vegas, uh, the Las Vegas uh, airport, waiting for this helicopter to come back, because I figured they got to come back and get fuel. That's about the closest place that they could be. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I get a call. <laughs> This is the first time we've heard this story. This, yeah, this is the first time they've heard this side of the story. So I get a call, and I don't know the number, but uh, in you know my, I thought, hmm, I, I bet this is probably somebody looking looking for me because of that, because I I could see that they were at least had seen me from the helicopter. Anyways, uh, I answer the phone, and it's Chet. And Chet had gotten my number from uh, uh, kind of a mutual friend, Cody Hazen. Uh, and he goes, hey, what's up? Uh, I kind of want to, uh, am I in trouble or something like that? I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said, you know, am I in trouble? And and I said, I kind of gave him the rundown said, uh, well, you guys kind of look like you were looking for elk. But uh, what were you actually doing, Chet? That's what we were doing is just looking at the ranch and flying around yeah so looking at the ranch flying around um and so i asked them if they were hunting and they said that they were uh told me that they had tags uh that started uh the second and third yeah. of october and these are private land tags so here in new mexico with private land tag you get five any five co consecutive days and so i uh i had to give them the bad news mark had a a hunt that started on October 2nd and they were flying on the September 30th and so I had to give them the bad news that Mark couldn't hunt uh, 
the whole first day of his tag because he'd yeah. been in the in the helicopter and uh that you know he could hunt the last 30 minutes of the second because i i'd seen that that helicopter about um i don't know six o'clock or so and the sun is going down around six thirty or seven and so i had to give mark some bad news that he couldn't hunt the whole first day of his hunt <laughs> Uh, but I came back the next day. Uh, he was bummed um, out. Yeah, he was bummed out. Uh, I came back the next day and uh, sat down and, and talked with these guys and and uh, had, had arranged to meet with Chet and kind of explain some of the rules to him and things like that, um, clarify some stuff, I guess it was, and come to find out uh, Trevor Brazil and Patrick Smith are hunting the ranch at the same time. And so we sat down and had a good conversation about some different stuff. But uh, later on, well, while we were talking, I found out, Chet, that you had never hunted before. That is correct. And um, and obviously didn't know the rules. <laughs> obviously didn't know the rules. <laughs> so. Excuse me, Chet. I've been my whole life. I still don't know most of the rules. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> so. So, you know, that kind of stuck in my mind, and I left, and uh, and Rodney and I, with this Nada Grande outdoors kind of venture, our, one of our big big pushes is the Hunt It Forward uh, idea. We loosely call it a program. It's not really a program right now, but uh, uh, our push is to get new hunters into hunting, um, People who have never hunted before, you know, we kind of target the, the age range of between 21, 25, and, and 40 to 50 uh, because those, in our in our thought process, those are the people who have disposable income. Those are the people who, um, if you get them to hunt, they are likely going to get their kids to hunt. And so yeah. that's kind of our focus. And so that stuck in my mind whenever I talked to you, Chet that you had never hunted before and how how old are you 40 so chet's 40 he's right in that range that we're talking about and i thought dad gum i'd like to get his thought process on this um but before we get into that um give me a little bit of your background how you grew up and and um and then we'll get into kind of why you've never hunted before well i grew up in clovis new mexico is where i was born and uh all through high school and my granddad managed the bell ranch uh just as which is just south of where we're at 20 yeah. or 30 miles so i grew up sports and cowboying um mainly sports i i came to the wagon at the bell every summer um love that but sports was all i i played football 20 you know that's all i did okay so that was pretty much what consumed consumed your time yep. growing up and my focus. Um, did you ever think about hunting, or it just wasn't on your radar? No, it just wasn't ever on my radar. Okay. Sure wasn't. Um, uh, my dad wasn't a hunter. Um, my granddad wasn't even a hunter. Believe it or not, he, um, you know, with all the opportunities he had, he just wasn't in it. So I never, never got. I the... never did it. Okay. Sure didn't. Um, so, what? I, go ahead, I, go ahead, I, Rodney. I just I find that really cool and interesting. You know, um, I come from a ranching family myself, like you, Kyle. And when we think of when we think of 
people that have grown up not being a part of the hunting community, the ranching community typically isn't um, our first our first thought. You know, well, you no, more- no, because they, you know, you the, again. I'm with Rodney on this that I think it's really interesting because having an agricultural background, the agricultural and and kind of the the hunting naturals. Um, I guess you could call them two groups are fairly close, yeah. but you just Same never cross that here. line. That's yeah. just fascinating. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. And so what got you, so this is your first hunt. What got you here? Patrick at Mark, really, uh, from Patrick, I think Mark's what got Patrick really, are they, I'll let him tell that story, but, um, Patrick came to my ranch um, four years ago, and he's an avid hunter, absolutely loves it, and just that's what got me hooked. We did a little started. trade out on... Uh, yeah, that's right. We did. He's got a lot of Audad oh, yeah. on his ranch. Awesome. I've never shot an Audad. Right. <clears throat> Chet was wanting some roping lessons, and through a mutual friend, offered up an Audad for a roping lesson trade out. and and so if you guys out there in the listening world if you don't know patrick smith is um how many championships have you uh, two-time won two-time world champion so patrick's a two-time world champion um are you going this year to the nfr not this year not this year next year next year yeah gonna gonna try hard now yeah. <laughs> so I've been, I've been at the nfr 12 times and won two world titles uh trevor brazil and i roped together for the last 10 years and um I don't know if you told him Trevor was here with us earlier this week and had to take off today so he couldn't be here for this. But. Yeah, so uh, that's all right. Uh, we enjoy having having you here as well. Um, if Trevor could have been here, great, but uh, it was cool getting to talk to him as well. So um, how did you get into hunting? Well, I deer hunted. I grew up in West Texas. Okay. Midland was where I grew up. I was there until I was 25 years old, and when I was, uh, when I was younger, like – real young, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. We had a hunting lease in Garden City, Texas, and I got to hunt whitetail, okay. just like how, how it always was as far as, you know, we had deer blinds and mm-hmm. hunted the way you hunt West Texas because there's not really a lot of choice yeah. and, uh, of how to do it. And then I, since I was 11 years old, I didn't, the, the next animal that I was able to go after was with Mark and it was, uh, Many years later, I was in you know my mid thirties when Mark and I met. I'm thirty eight now, so I've I've known Mark for what I think we decided last night it's been about five years, mm-hmm. and went to stay at his house. We were up at the uh, rodeos up there in the northwest. You know, Mark's from Oregon, and uh, we were just sitting around having dinner. He cooked his steaks and he got his hunting book out because I was looking at his mouse and talking to him and started showing me pictures. And man, the rest is history. He was telling me, he said, "Man, you got to get into some of this." There's a lot more to it than just this type of hunting. You need to see some different species, so different it, country. Yeah, know, for so. sure. So we have a joke between us because we have a buddy that lives in Clovis. His name's Dedon Bates, uh, and we hunt with him. But he goes to Texas a lot and hunts. And you know, he starts telling a hunting story, and we say, "Yeah, yeah, we've heard this. You know, the, the way you hunt in Texas is you lean to the right, make sure you, you know because you're in a blind." So we have that joke, and so. But that's cool. I mean, that's really that's cool. And so, so Mark, what's your background in hunting? Well, I started when I was young 
uh, very young and uh, I've done it all my life. Um, all over the world? All over. I've been, uh, before we came here I was just in Africa for almost three weeks and uh, I guided uh, for years in Wyoming and, uh, and guide in Oregon. And uh, so I just kind of done it my whole life and really enjoyed the outdoors and uh, kind of met these guys through Team Roping and um, anyway. So I, I've just done it for a long time. And, done it for uh, a long time. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, the joy is really, for me anymore, it's not, I think a lot of people starting out in the hunting, um, they're so tied up in the whole, you know, issues about the trophies and this and that. But the really, the reality of it is to enjoy the hunting. It's who you're with and the experiences you have and the rest of it's irrelevant. I think, I think you've, yeah, hit the nail on the head there. Um, yeah. That is that is what what we scream to the top of our lungs on this podcast and anywhere else. It's you know me and Kyle and our buddy D Don, the the missing not a grande boy. He hadn't even been on one of our podcasts yet. Slacker. We, we hunt together and nothing else matters other than just hanging out, having a good time, chasing some animals. If you get one, fantastic. Uh, if you don't, you got some great stories and some good memories, and that's what it's about. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's really cool because it's um, you know in in the big time hunting world, it's it's hard to find some of those philosophies, and I think that's kind of changing. Um, you know, uh, there's some guys out there, uh, and I don't know if you know them or not. Uh, I'm sure you do, but uh, you know Steve Rinella and and they've done some I think some good things. I don't know them personally, so I can't say what their agenda is. But they've done some good things as far as bringing hunting out into the open, and and saying hey, you know this is this is a socially acceptable deal. This is something that is good for the environment. It's conservation, and it's it's you know something that you should get into. Um, and and we're all about that. We're all about bringing new people into it um i think uh i think it's awesome when you can get a group of buddies together and go hunting i think the camaraderie is fantastic um and so i guess let's come back to chet here this is your first elk hunt how was it oh it was amazing it was awesome we definitely have some good stories well i don't know if we want to share the I think we can share stories. I mean, I mean that's so, what make, that's what makes hunting. I think that's what makes hunting fun is that you get to share those stories, right? So we got a story that lasts us our lifetime. <laughs> Mark, uh, Mark didn't do a very good job showing Patrick how to skin an animal, obviously, because <laughs> we had a, a a razor knife go through a thigh and a rush trip to Las Vegas emergency room. Which, emergency room is probably not the greatest place to be at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> so, so the old Kenny Chesney song, you find out who your friends are, <laughs> comes to mind. But I, So if anybody had been trying to help do the work, I probably wouldn't have been down there and cut my leg. Being there's four of us, and I'm gutting on him like I am, and trying to get everybody back because Chet was whining about how hungry he was and tired of <laughs> Yeah, so we had some good steak. Uh, we did have good steak waiting on us here at the ranch. So, oh no, that was after. That I did. After. I did slide a knife into uh, above my knee, and uh, Trevor was there at the time, 
uh, at this point and he and he drove me to the hospital but we got lost trying to get out of the ranch uh, <laughs> i've got a, a pitch microfiber <laughs> rag and a belt wrapped around my my leg and strapped down because i've got a veins squirting every time I wasn't really that worried about it until I looked over and realized that Trevor was driving he has no idea where we're at we're lost and Didn't we, have get, a gate key. And we get halfway back and realize that he looks at me and goes we don't have a gate key to get out <laughs> so thankfully Chet had realized that or somebody there had realized yeah. it maybe Mark so he chased us down with the gate key Thankfully, because we're still, you know, I'm an hour away from the yeah, hospital. Yeah, yeah, it's out here. Sitting ways. here thinking, I'm, you know, what I'm going to text to my kids and wife as I bleed. <laughs> so bleed out. We finally get out, and then I go to the hospital. I'm laying in the hospital and getting sewn up and everything, and I still hadn't heard from them. Like it's been two and a half hours. And They're eating how, your steak. Right? I know. I know how good Mark is at caping a bull out and everything that he can do. You know, if it had been Chet, I've. I've I know it should take several hours. But I was like, they should be back by now. We'll come to find out after Chet had dropped the key off. He probably didn't want this part talked about. He got lost trying to get right back to them and drove around for over an hour trying to find them. And they were at the at the kill site with the bull with nothing but one headlamp on. Yeah battery going dead yeah and they can see chet in the polaris just circling all over the <laughs> with no phone service no way to flag him down <laughs> no way to flag him oh down. how funny we had good stories already so. that's good that's good chet, so chet's getting a great first experience first, of what hunting's really about well and that's that's good because you know that first experience is really key if you have i think if you if you have a, a bad first experience you're less likely to come back and do it again of course it helps even if you have a bad experience to have some good buddies to laugh about it with you know stories and there you know there's a something that i always say is that uh uh, that misery breeds memory and with time that misery fades and all that you have left is a memory and so um i think i think hunting is the epitome of that because oftentimes there's absolutely misery involved yes and uh but well, well, let be... me just say this it seemed like the misery was pretty one-sided <laughs> because when i walked in the door from the hospital it wasn't like hey buddy how you doing Is it, how's your leg they're sitting in here saying well you'll do anything to get out of work so, yeah. uh, you know we got your elk taken care of for you big guy how's, but how's your scratch on your leg are you okay as far as uh it is just a scratch but as far uh, four, as uh, 14 stitches scratch yeah. just to, just to clarify you know well, you know, yeah, those hospitals, would. they'll charge you every little bit they can. Yeah, to get all oh, yeah, training. you definitely need stitches. No. <laughs> but as far as the, my, the, fir, the hunt, it was amazing. We spotted a, an enormous bull uh, through, we were glassing, or Mark, you know, he's got a great eye for it, and found it, and we stalked him. And Patrick's always been telling me stories about, man, just wait till you, you're in that moment. And I'm like, whatever, dude, I'll just... Pull the trigger, it'll be fine. Well, Mark finally gets me on him, and I go to pull the trigger, and I can feel my heart beating through every, I mean. Yeah, just, just you're shaking. The... So I fire the first shot, and I stun him. Oh, yeah. And, and then four or five shots later, <laughs> Mark is saying, high left, low right. <laughs> Hands me another bullet. And... I drop it, can't even, I mean, I can't even hold my hand still enough. And he says, Chet, that's our last bullet. 
<laughs> and so we, I finally get him down, and oh man! Well, it between awesome. between Trevor's hunt and Chet's hunt, people are going to start asking if they've opened the gun range and wagon. <laughs> <laughs> and so let me ask you, because you know Trevor's not here to defend himself, but he doesn't, um, he doesn't need to be trusted. Um, you did you get Trevor into hunting as well? Yes, I mean he's Trevor had was the same way. He had hunted a little bit, a little very bit. little, and I took him deer hunting well six years ago or so, and he got his first good buck in uh, Texas, and he liked it. And then uh, last year he was able to come out here and get his first elk, and he he really did. It was a, kind of the same experience Chad had had. I've always told him, I said, "Man, you, these animals are so much different, and just it's so much different to to get the experience of an animal that you can interact with." Yeah, you know, the bugle back, or whatever you know. If you're cow calling, and Mark, being the professional he is, he knows the right amount. Because if it was any of, if it was just us out here, we'd have called to the point where they would just be like, "Oh, yeah, right." <laughs> yeah, so I'm not coming. Like like what everybody does. Everybody goes and buys a call and buys a bow and thinks that they're a hunter. And uh, thankfully, we've had the experience of Mark to guide us along and teach us the correct way to do it, where we don't educate the animals and and uh, get in a hurry and make mistakes and. So Trevor was able to get involved in that and see it, and he was the same way last year. Man, he had that rifle on this bull, and he was just, he's, as a matter of fact, I've got him on video saying, I've dealt with a lot of pressure situations, and I don't know that I've ever felt anything like this. So, I mean, <laughs> it definitely does. I mean, it feels, the, there's nothing like hunting. There's just, there's, there's not. nothing like yeah. it, and that's what, why well, I've talked Chet and always told him, man, I want you to get into hunting and would love for you to get into bow hunting, and uh, we should probably tell that little clip that uh, <laughs> Chet comes along on this hunt, his first elk slash first hunt yeah, period. Yeah. Um brings his bow. Well we open it and I mean everything's still got the tags hanging on. <laughs> so, I'm like <laughs> so He's like, so what do I do here? <laughs> put that away. So... I'll tell you what you do is you're going to need to put that in the truck. Yeah. And let's get this rifle. He goes, no, dude, we can do this. So we decided to get a lunch bet going. And by the way, we need to get that paid up yeah, pretty we'll quick. And Mark, Mark chimed in with our breakfast. Mark chimed in on my side and we got the block target out and said, here, Chet, get your bow and uh, we'll bet you that at 20 yards, you don't even hit the block target. He's like, oh, no big, no big deal all day long. Gets it out. He's like, so how do I, what do I look at? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know how to put a release on. He's never done it. So we, we get him out there. His bow hasn't even been any. Uh, no side of it. No side of it. So now I'm wanting to change it from breakfast to a steak dinner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, up, so, up the ante. Needless to say, you guys know what happens. We're me and Mark are going to be eating good. He doesn't even <laughs> he doesn't touch the block target. Uh, Put a hole in a stock tank. Yeah, it's actually a hit day. a stock tank and poked a hole. In it, if you want to know the truth. And so so it, it's been quite the quite the experience. So we told him let's put the bow away. And let's start, let's he, start somewhere. Like, no, let's... dude, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. And I'm like, no. we're hunting in three hours. We're yeah, not yeah. figure this out. This, uh, this is, this probably should have started yeah. a year yeah. ago. Yeah, exactly. So, um, did you realize, I guess this is kind of a question for both of you guys when you got into hunting, did you realize like what all it entailed? I had no, I had no clue, no clue how, 
much went behind everything. You know, it's a, it's amazing. Yeah, the planning. Mark's amazing. The logistics, the knowledge, and that's like I said, having Mark. We actually had this conversation last night at this dinner table of how thankful we were for him, just on the knowledge side of things, because we would not have had the success we've had. No. Um, we we just it's been neat to experience the you know the type of hunting that he is he said patient hunter hunt more with your eyes than your feet Mm -hmm. and that's something that we've learned a lot from him and got to see we we had a great hunt this morning you know mark's got he's the only one left yeah and put uh, everybody else first yeah (laughs) and had a a great chance at a good bull this morning and and just the scenario wasn't perfect and he's just like we're not gonna get in a hurry we we're gonna when we literally watched him walk away could it like what most hunters want to do is go try to chase them down and uh it's been neat to just get the experience in the but back to your question of i had no idea either and i've been around hunting my whole life i just never have been into it like i have been the last five years and uh hunting different species uh different type of hunting bow hunting rifle hunting uh you know all that stuff that we've gotten into just the the amount of practice and time and preparation i would have never dreamed it it's as deep as it is but yeah it's a lot of fun it's addictive it's kind of why i laugh when people say oh i i'm just uh you know the only reason i'm into hunting is is so that i can get a meat you know get some meat in the freezer and it's like you realize it's a lot cheaper just going out to the down to the grocery store with all that goes into it right but uh uh that man that's that is just fascinating um and i'm gonna turn back to mark here real quick um what makes you want to share hunting with others well i mean you know i think it's important the people that you take they got to enjoy the outdoors and if they don't enjoy it it, then i'm not interested in taking them and so it's all about the attitudes and with these guys i mean every day is just it's we were just having a great time and uh we great experiences we called in some bulls 10 yards from us just screaming at us and you know for people that have never experienced that i mean it's it's unbelievable for those guys and those are those will be memories they'll have forever and so that that's what makes me want to do it that's i'm not really interested anymore in taking the person who's you know got a big ego and just wants to the rich texan with the hell i mean where i'm at in my life i'm not interested in going with people who uh who it's all about just to kill because that's the least of it it's all about the experience and whether it's you know whether we're hunting mountain lions or whether we're hunting bear or whatever it's the experience and if i think people get so caught up on what you get and it's not about what you get at all no you miss the whole point you know and uh i think um so anyway that's my my enjoyment of it uh is to do that if, if it was more of just taking people out um to get a big animal all the time there, there's no fun in that for me it's the people and the experiences you have and the and if you can put some memories that those guys will carry with them forever and to their, you know, their children, and that's what it's about. And you got to that whole attitude is really needed in the hunting world because it's got off track a little bit. I think you're I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, that's Rodney and I have absolutely tried to push that as much as we can. Um, I've said this before, but, you know, in, in hunter education, they teach, you know, the different stages of hunting. And, and the first is you just want to get an animal and then. The very last is that you want to just have that experience, and to me, uh, that is that is what we should be pushing. Is not you know, every time you go out, you're going to get an animal because that I feel like 
like like you're talking about all a lot of these hunting shows uh and and it's changed again changed a little bit recently but um a lot of these hunting shows that's all you see is they go out and they get an animal every single time and you know as well as i do that just isn't the case yeah. you know um you're not going to get an animal every time and if you gauge your happiness and gauge your success based on if you get an animal or not you're it's not for you it's not gonna be fun no and it's it's not the right thing to do it's uh patrick and i hunted bow hunted uh mule deer in oregon was that last year year before last 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 four years yeah (laughs) (laughs) but we got on some great buck and i think we stocked him for 12 hours and after the all this work we put into this hunt you know we, we were not successful but we made some great stocks and we had a 12 hour stock on a just a fantastic mule deer and we were within shooting distance of him for hours and they were together with other ones but the point is is that was that was just as successful of a trip as if we would have got him right. it didn't matter and yeah. we actually quit then after that stock you know our day was we had a great hunt and it was we could have hunted the next morning we just said you know what we'll just go out on that because that was like a, it was great we yeah. were on this buck for so many hours and uh, it was so exciting, and then, and again, so we judged our success on the hunt, not on the what we took. So many highs and lows to all of it. And Rodeo has taught me a lot about that. There's so many highs and lows. <laughs> if you ride the highs and lows, you're probably not going to enjoy it. But if you if you do it for the experience and the right reasons, then like I said, you go back to camp empty-handed. You still had the time and the experience and the memories, and it's fun. We got yeah, a lot of time. Absolutely, definitely more unsuccessful hunt days than there are successful but that's just what makes the successful days that much better you know yeah when, when you do get one or get in a scenario it just it makes it that much better you've put in the time you know yeah patrick we had a really successful another successful hunt that we did not get an animal on patrick's first time out uh archery hunting elk in oregon uh, um, i called a bull into him that I don't know. Couldn't have been more than five feet from him, but he didn't see him the way he was coming in. He was, he was probably ten feet. No, he was five feet. If he jumped the fence, I was afraid he's going to land on him. But he's looking the other way. But it was so funny. And uh, that was the only time I can remember Mark making a mistake because he called him in on my left and not. My right. Oh well, yeah. I mean, if he'd obviously. Him on my right, I definitely would have. I thought you that. said Mark was a professional. Yeah, like, got him on the wrong side. We all made mistakes. <laughs> When he finally looked up and figured that bull was like, uh, like five feet from him, and uh, but again, you know that experience we didn't kill that elk, but it didn't matter. It was the experience of having him close and him not seeing him till it was right to the last minute. What you know, that's what it's about. It's not about whether we shot him or we didn't shoot him. You know? Yeah, and Jet, you've had you miss right unless you miss and then no. Yeah, um, that's no fun. Been there. So you've had a couple of those experiences here on this hunt where yes. you weren't hunting, but Patrick had you know was trying to get one with a bow, and thankfully they were still doing some of that rut action and still bugling. Two, we two of them. We called Mark called up. I mean, got him on the right side. Not, not the, yeah, <laughs> within yeah. ten yards. Within ten yards. Yeah, and <clears throat> man, one bull just stared at us for what seemed like an eternity. And we couldn't move, and Patrick's trying to decide if he wanted to take him or not, if he was old enough or 
one that we should call off. And... I was I was drawn on him actually at one point and couldn't yep. shoot him. It was just you know that bow hunting scenario where he's in the one spot that I can't shoot. Mm-hmm. If he goes this way, I've got a shot. If he goes this way, I don't. And he went the way where I didn't have a shot. So we watched him walk away. But same thing. I mean that's you know that is Mark. He's not just making this up for the podcast sake. He'll as that bull walks away when we walk up. Great everybody's fist bumping he's like that's, that was a success we called him Great. in he was Absolutely. Right us. it wasn't about the shot it was about the experience and he's fired up he he loves doing that and man it's there's nothing like it it's really not that is so cool um it really it's really is. cool to to get to talk to you guys and and see that mentality out there because like mark was saying i i think a lot um of times the hunting community has gotten off track and it's mm-hmm. about that trophy animal and not about the experience and i that's kind of what we're hoping to do is not that we have any influence because we're just a couple of guys from new mexico but um at least hopefully we can share that mentality that we have as well and and if there's others out out there like like us like you guys like mark um sharing that mentality maybe eventually we can get that shift back to where it should be especially when you're talking you know, your podcast about new hunters if if you don't if you don't give those experience to new hunters in the right way you just i think you've ruined their whole hunting career you got to start them out right and if you don't start them out like that and it's just pressure about what you're going to shoot you, you know I, I think that'll that doesn't make them have a long hunting career no because as soon as they have lost that um you know if as soon as they don't get an animal right. then they you know they get that mentality of well why should i do this anymore i'm you know i'm not successful at it right. uh, whereas yeah. like you're talking about if we can instill in them from the very beginning that it's about the experience not about getting the animal i think you're more likely to keep people in in hunting because they will realize whether i get one or not i'm having a good time i'm, I'm having a good experience you gotta, you gotta have respect for teach people to have respect for the outdoors respect for the animals and you know um, all that's so important and I see so many people that are lost in that whole thing you know they don't understand that whole part why do you think they get lost in that well I just think it's just kind of the world we live in anymore it's all about instant you know, gratification exactly and uh, they, they just lose track of what that's all about and uh, as hunters uh, I think we are some of the best conservationists that are out there and um, but if we don't teach that to others as they come up um, pretty soon the hunting gets a bad name and it it and some of that's deserved and but it's our responsibility to keep that from happening and, and get people that are uh, respectful uh, again to the outdoors to the animals and what we're doing um, but I, I think there's a, right now there's a lack of people teaching that so that's interesting uh, to me because, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, how do we change that? How do we, because, um, you know, how, how do we change that mentality? Um, and and what would you say to people who are, you know, just the normal everyday hunters out there to? get them into that mindset of of we are conservationists it's our responsibility i'll give you a good example of of why i'm kind of asking this question and and feel free to to chime in if you like to but for example you know we had a there was a public meeting um for changes to the rules in new mexico and 
not a single hunter showed up to that meeting. And it boggles my mind. Why? So how do we change that? How do we how do we get people more involved? Well, I mean, I think that's a hard question, you know, but I think it's the mentorship when you when you have the opportunity to take new hunters out. I mean, that's the part you teach, not the killing part. You know, it's not about what you get. That's the other part you teach. And then hopefully then that person teaches somebody else that and it goes on and on. Um, but I, I mean, I really think that's all we can do is, as hunters. And I think the people who aren't doing that, um, uh, they're, they're not helping us in the long term yeah. about keeping hunting going. Because in almost every state, I believe, the hunting numbers are going down, not up. Yeah, no, and we've talked about that on on past podcasts, and that's part of the reason why we're you know pushing this hunt it forward, is that in most states, our hunting numbers are going down because the mo the in general the biggest group of hunters are the baby boomers, and now they're starting to kind of phase out of hunting because they're getting too old, they can't do it anymore. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of focus on, on youth, um, and, and we've voiced this before, but one of the problems there is they don't own their time, right. you know, they don't. And so not to say that we shouldn't focus on youth. Absolutely. We should, but, uh, this, you know, this kind of brings me back to Chet. If we can get Chet into hunting, there's a good chance we can get his kids, their grandkids into hunting. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, like you said, it's a hard question. It is. It's, it's a, very hard, but uh, I mean, I think we all have some responsibility in that. And um, I think that, like I said, I think that's the most important thing for people who are taking, uh, we talk about this as first-time hunters. When you take a first-time hunter out, you you got to make it about the experience. And uh, we were happy to, Chet got a fantastic bull. Mm -hmm. um, so we got, but say Chet didn't get that bull, he, the, the memories wouldn't change. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's always, yeah, that experience of the, you know, getting close and getting the shot and all that. But in terms of um, the memories we had and the fun we had, wouldn't change. Yeah. And that's the Very issue. True. Yeah. He shot, shot a bull, but even if he wouldn't, I would have still stabbed myself in the leg. <laughs> <laughs> still have that story. Still have that story. Yeah. Still have the story about getting yeah. tracked down by the game warden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. So. Speaking of that, I mean, I think that's a good point, though, when you bring up, the, you know, from your side as a game warden, um, you know, to work with, um, I mean, I met some fantastic game wardens over the years, and, uh, um, that relationship's really important because people look at that as more of the, you know, some kind of adversaries, and that's totally crazy. It's not that way at all. It's about, it's about you know, people can learn a lot from you guys, and uh, I, I think uh, getting to know the game wardens in your area where you're hunting. I mean, I've hunted places before that I've never been. One of the first calls I make is to the game warden. I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I've been saying that for years, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, contact somebody in the field and, uh, um, had the situation just recently, uh, you know, had to take an animal from a guy cause he just, he, first of all, he didn't have any maps. Um, I don't think he's being completely honest with me, but, but, you know, he assumed where he was at. He didn't have any maps. And, you know, that was one of the first things I told him. I said, man, if you've never drawn an area, call the game warden. He'll tell you exactly where to go. And I, I, you know, that's, um, 
I thought I think that's absolutely absolutely true is that we need to the the hunters need to foster that relationship and and realize that um no matter who it is what state it is those guys are usually usually in it because they enjoy the same thing you do and why would they try to hold you back on that no yeah. that's a good that's right. you learn a lot quite opposite you know the, the rules are different in different states and the areas and i mean why not that's the first first person you should call if you're a first-time hunter and you draw a tag and you're going to go someplace i mean talk to the local biologists and the local game wardens get some good information and get to know those people and they're a great resource to you and uh, the people who don't do that are making a big mistake yeah so that brings me to another question why'd you guys choose new mexico uh patrick knows um the gentleman that owns this ranch real well um through roping him and trevor um had the privilege of getting to know him and um i'll let We've, you finish the yeah just through the relationship, obviously, I've always wanted to come to New Mexico and, and hunt, and have talked about it forever. And the opportunity came up. Um, I've actually been here for a few years, and uh, the owner has been gracious enough to invite invite me back the last couple of years. And it's just such an amazing place. I mean, New Mexico is very unique and all, and uh, especially in elk in this area, it's just it's great and. Uh, like I said, it's the experience that you get here is unlike a lot of the other places. I mean, the, there's just so many bulls and so many uh, elk in the area. It's just a lot of fun, but um, just the opportunity that was presented to us really is what brought us in here. Very cool. It was. It's real important. I mean, it was really special to me because I grew up, you know, out there on the ground and never seen it flying. And I mean, that was just. I couldn't wait to get out here and see this country and. Um, I was really excited about that because yeah. it's been it's been a long time since I've been back over here and childhood memories you know it's always your place yeah. no matter what <laughs> yeah no, no matter, matter what no, no matter, matter if where it was or not yeah. yeah I I I know exactly what you're talking about I grew up on a on a ranch just south of here um it's now owned by the Kellogg family but um, it was called the Lake Ranch at the time and that was I was home for a lot yeah. of years, you know, and, and always. it always kind of draws you back. Um, so kind of extending that, that line of, the, of, of questioning or, or thought process, you know, you talked about there's rule, different rules and stuff in, in each state. Um, how's New Mexico doing on, on their rules for hunting? You know, I, I always, always wonder because I don't get a lot of chance to go out of state to hunt. Uh, I've done it, you know, I've done fishing in Colorado and things like that, um, but I always kind of wonder, um, and like Rodney said, he, uh, <laughs> he's he been hunting his whole life, he's still trying to figure out the rules. Obviously, they change a little bit from year to year, but but uh, how easy was it to get it figured out for you guys? Obviously, you had a mentor who was probably helping you out. Yeah, but I forgot about the flying thing <laughs> when we flew in here. But yeah, you uh, could. I mean, I know that in Alaska, but you just don't think about these, you know, states because our goal—we flew from Lubbock here. Um, that's how we got here. Yeah, you know, and so it didn't. It didn't. Even, so things like that. But the rules, I think, New Mexico is easy to follow. Um, there's a few things I'm still confused about with some areas, and like your mule deer hunts and some stuff that we've researched a little bit. But um, 
I think all states are a little bit confusing just because you're not used to kind of their culture and what they're what they have but your rules and stuff are easy to read um, so I, I think they're uh, I think you guys are doing well I think you're doing well in your game management um, I mean by what we've seen here and uh, I think you guys have been doing a great job and that's I, I can't say that about I've been to a lot of states and I don't think every state's doing that yeah huh that's that's interesting um, because, you know, you just kind of figure everybody's kind of doing the same thing, but they're not at all. No. Um, and so I think some states are just my opinion, you know, they're the tag numbers are based upon uh, revenue and not based upon sound game management practices. And some states are uh, are different are doing it that way. Um, I won't mention who I think those are, but, um, but they're, you know, um, the state that I live in is, I just think that the game management thing is, I don't think is as, uh, is first and foremost to sometimes as the revenue generated, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, but I think that's a short term, uh, solution and I don't think that carries on into the future and people who do good game management, uh, I think that's what carries that on in the future. Yeah. I mean, so kind of the um, and you, and you'll kind of relate to this mark uh, having been doing wildlife stuff as long as you have you know the the gold standard worldwide is is the North American conservation model which is um, which is kind of what is in practice um, in most of the states and I think if you hold to that if you do it based on sound science sound management practices um, then you have you know you, you flourish that wildlife um, here in New Mexico you know at turn of the century 1900 there were absolutely no elk in the state um, but through that conservation um, North American conservation model we reintroduce some elk and 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 you you improve the habitat and uh, you know the way that Pittman Robertson set up the way that the department here is in New Mexico it's a it's kind of a freestanding department uh, you know, we still answer the governor, but um, everything, and this is something that the general public doesn't usually know about, is that we don't take any money from the general tax fund, uh, which is interesting because uh, when somebody tells me, well, I, I pay your salary, I say, well, did you buy a license? <laughs> no, then you don't pay my salary. Pay but yeah, the, the department is um, is self-standing in that all the... No, sir, you Everything don't. that we do is, is, or everything that's done by the department is paid for by hunting, trapping, and fishing licenses. And um, I think... I think it's great that we've been able to do it that way uh, and, mm -hmm. and use that conservation off, or conservation model uh, and, and base our, our practices off of the, that sound management. And I hope we continue to do that because you're right. There are certain times when those political pressures um, tend to make bad management um, practices and bad management decisions. So well, when you talk about new hunters, you know, it goes right back to that. But if you're going to have a, a new hunter going out, and again, it's not about success of killing an animal. It's the success of the trip you had and the hunt you had. But if you go out and never see good quality game and never have that fun, again, those hunters are not going to continue on in life. Yeah. You know, it just gets like, oh, 
Yeah, I've been 10 times. I haven't even seen an elk, you know? Yeah, I think that's how Rodney feels about coyote hunting because every time I take him coyote hunting, we don't ever see a coyote. I'm Rodney. like, I swear, man, it's a lot of fun. Rodney, I'll, I'll fix that for you. <laughs> the helicopter can fix that real quick. The rich guy with the helicopter, he can find coyotes. He took, me out, he took me out one day. I ain't shitting you. There was two feet of snow on the ground, and it was snowing so bad you couldn't see 50 feet. And, and I was like... What are we doing? <laughs> Quit being a pansy. It's like one of the best times to call coyotes. They're out looking for food. That's not true. So I did take you out one time, and we did see a coyote, and you didn't shoot him. He was like 10 feet from you. Well, yeah, I didn't even see him. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. So, but, you know, that's important. With new hunters, to have good areas to go to, that's so important because that, that gets them hooked and – get some continuing to do that and, and again that comes back to good game practices and you guys what i'm seeing here the bull ratios here are, they're I good i don't know what they are but they got to be high they're really good yeah and you know we're really starting to see that migration of uh you know we reintroduced them to the to the mountains but uh they're really kind of going back to what their original habitat was and they're moving out to the plains and doing that type of thing but we have we have good good numbers and and we have good elk uh hope to see that continue for sure um but uh have any of you guys ever so i'm pretty sure probably mark has but have you any of you guys ever put in for a draw in another state no not yet my, no, sir. That, my deal has been uh as far as the rodeo thing it's tough rodeo and hunting don't they don't mix, they, they don't mix very well so uh Thankfully, I've had some opportunities like this for some private land stuff that's that's made it a lot easier for me due to schedule. I was able to to schedule it when I can versus uh, some of the draws. And you know, September's really tough for me because we're in the, we're in the Northwest finishing up rodeo season. Yeah, so, um, and that's bow hunting season, which exactly. you like to do. Yeah, so man, that makes it tough. It's tough, but I'm also learning more and more about it and um, studying it, and Mark's going to help me, and we've been talking about that. I am going to start getting into some draws just because he said, man, there's some. it's so simple to do, and there's a lot of these uh, you know, once-in-a-lifetime deals where your odds for out-of-state are pretty good or you know, whether it's sheep up in the northwest or, or elk in Arizona or whatever it is, um, you might as well put in, he said, because yeah. it, it just takes a few minutes, and if you get it, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So. Yeah. I'm definitely going to start putting in, and I'm sure if we get, I, yeah, once I get to doing it, I can talk Chad into doing it. And, <laughs> yeah. um, From what I've what I've seen, I don't know if you're going to have to do too much talking. No. It seems like Chet's had a pretty yeah. good time. Yeah, we also look yeah, at other states. You know, there's certain states we can go to because again, with Patrick's rodeo schedule, we can go to Alaska in the spring and try to you know get on some spring bear hunts. When, yeah, when the, you know, when the rodeo season isn't quite going yet but it's hard to work around all and it's you know whether it's rodeo or some other business that you're in or whatever um that's probably a good point you bring up because in some ways that's probably a hindrance to a lot of people who want to get involved in that you're caught up in life and you and you don't have time to do that but you need to make time because these are the things that are important in the end yeah I, I, you make a great point there you know we we kind of come at this as just everyday working folks um and you can see that just kind of spans spans the uh, the gamut. Whether you're you know a rich guy with a helicopter from Texas, or uh, or uh, you know Rodney's works for for a co-op down there in, in the southeast part of the state, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You have life going on, yeah. and if you don't make time for it, you, you're just not going to do it. 
without it's making time for it. When you get done with your hunting season, you're, or you know, when you go out and have a trip like we're having here and you go home, um, I think that, you know, just my opinion, I'm retired now, but uh, uh, it just rejuvenates you, you know, and all the other things um, that maybe it was on your mind or worried you maybe aren't as important as, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So you can, uh, you can realize what's really important, yeah. being in the outdoors and having I, good friends. I think um, that is that is so true. And um, <laughs> so Rodney and I drew a couple of hunts uh, coming up, and uh, I have been itching so bad to get out in the woods just because, and I have a great job because I, I get to kind of work, and but it's different, you know. I get to I have been just itching to get out there in the woods so you can just leave everything behind and just focus on fun stuff so I had a similar job I was in the fire service forever and I couldn't wait to turn off every phone and radio that was talking to my ear to get out and people said do you want to hear the news no I don't really want to hear anything you know what I mean I just want to be in camp and relax yeah I don't want all that yeah, and if I don't have phone service, that's just fine with me. I don't need any of that. You can focus on just being there, right then, enjoying those experiences. Then Absolutely. you get back to your job, uh, whatever you're doing. I think you go back doing it better because again, you're a little rejuvenated and you got some other experiences in life. And so many people are caught up in just every day, you know, what you're doing and and uh, the work thing is uh, it gets to all of us. And uh, sometimes you got to step back from that just a little bit. I'm hoping, I mean, so Rodney and I are kind of banking on it, um, but I'm starting to see, I think, uh, the a little shift in society, and I, I, I'm tentatively calling it kind of the second great awakening, you know, when everybody came back from, from the war, uh, they really got into the outdoors, and I think that's going to happen again. I don't know what you're seeing, Mark, or, or what you guys are seeing, but I think that's going to happen again. You know, people are going to get tired of being plugged in to the technology, and I think people are going to be looking to get into the outdoors and reconnect with nature. And it's I, I think it's already happening, but um, we need to be there as mentors to help them. You know, they can go one of two ways. They can go, you know, <laughs> the uh, the anti, you know kind of tree hugger way or we can bring them into the conservation into hunting and and help them get those experiences that they're craving i think um i think we need to be ready to do that um coming back to our talk about how the hunting community has been kind of gotten off track you know everybody is so concerned with protecting their honey hole or you know i don't want more hunters out there because i'm not gonna be able to draw draw a tag if we want to continue to hunt we have got to get more people into hunting that's how it's paid how that's how that's how you get the the money for habitat to to do better habitat projects to get more animals on the landscape and it we've got to get people to realize that and and i think we're kind of poised in a good position to be able to do that um if we can put away our egos Mm-hmm. And and say you know what, this year maybe I'm not going hunting. Maybe I'm taking somebody else hunting. And that, you're exactly right. That's what it's about. For me, it's about taking people hunting. It's not about me hunting anymore at all. Yeah. I can take. I mean, we've had great experiences. I didn't. I don't I haven't pulled the trigger yet. And if I don't, it's fine. But being with these guys, watching them shoot their bulls, 
what difference does it make? I mean, it's not about me shooting something. It's about that. So I give up my opportunity to hunt any day. If a first-time hunter comes in camp and you can ask these guys, they're, they're always first up. Always. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chet, what do you think? You're going to continue doing it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question about it. Are you wondering why you haven't got into it sooner? I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am. So, Can't wait to take my boy um, on a trip with us sometime. That'll be amazing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Very cool. Love it. Very cool. Um, guys, we super appreciate the chance to get to talk with you. Um, you know, I, it's whenever I first talked to you, Chet, it, it, the idea kind of started rolling around in my head, but uh, we want to take new hunters hunting. It was right in front of me. Here's somebody who wanted to hunt or has never hunted before and i thought dadgum we have got to get him on the podcast yep. I'm glad and you did. so we are really really appreciative of that and hope to uh hope to continue to keep in contact with you and and see how it goes because uh uh to us this is one of the the few things in life that you will carry with you your entire life yes sir um we just we did a podcast um, or we recorded a different podcast about our hunting stories and it was so fun to hear some of you guys hunting stories but that is I mean that's what you carry with you um, you'll remember those stories for the rest of your life and I think that experience is is irreplaceable I was just telling them the other day when we came up here it's neat because I, I just got done Mark just got done with the trophy room at his place and I'm just finishing up one at mine and Chet's starting on his yeah and you can glance at every animal and instantly have every memory and every story. Uh, and now we added to that list with some lost out here and emergency room trip. Emergency yeah. room trip. So, yeah, that's I mean, what it's going to say on the plaque underneath this elk. Emergency room trip. In 20 years, I'll be able to be visiting with my kids and they'll ask, what about that elk? And I'll say, that's the elk that I tried to kill myself. <laughs> and Chad's going to so, say, that's the elk where I almost got thrown in jail. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what matters. That is absolutely what matters. Guys, yeah. we appreciate it. Thank you so much. And uh, we... We have been had so much fun talking to you guys. This has been awesome, and uh, thank y'all for doing it. You yeah, bet. And if uh, uh, maybe sometime in the future we'll get together again and and have another session, but uh, uh, really appreciate it, and and we will talk to you guys later. All yeah. right. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Adios. Adios. Thanks,